Welcome to Homestand Sports, the podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney, who will tell you the harsh truth about Austin Matthews. Wow. Well, on today's show, five statements from the least lost to the Rangers, including Justin's love for number 34. Why Martin Jones should absolutely keep the net over Samsonov. Did Sheldon Keefe call it the referees? And we grade Bradtree Living signings in pass or fail. We got a lot to get to, so let's get this thing started. I'm Albert Vartanian, he's Justin Pooney, and this is Homestand Sports. All right, let's get to five statements where we look at some takeaways from the Leafs last game. They lost 5-2 on Tuesday night to the Rangers, snapping their nine-game point streak. A lot of lucky bounces, Pooney, mm-hmm. went the Rangers' way. Didn't get the bounces on the Leafs' side, but one guy who found the net, who, who's consistently finding the net now, is Austin Matthews. Another two-goal night for him. Albert, I got to be honest with you here. Um, <laughs> if Austin Matthews played for any other team than the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think he might be next to Connor McDavid, my favorite player in the NHL. <laughs> I'm not joking, man. Like, I watch this guy play, and I'm like, fuck, why does he have to play for the Leafs, man? Like, wow. he is so... That's quite the statement from you. Uh, exactly, right? And watching him last night, that goal he scored, the first goal he scored... Like, he was had a guy right on him, and he still roofed it, right? His ability to find, like, these small little creases in between the defenders and these holes and be able to pinpoint and put it top corner, that is why he is... He's not Alex Ovechkin, but he's kind of from that same ilk where wherever he is on net, once he passes the blue line, Albert, he's a threat to score every single time he shoots the puck. And look, we talked about it last year. wasn't his best year. Again, he still had almost, what, 40 goals last year, which was considered a down year, coming off 60. This year, he's projected, I think, for 70 goals this year. Now, I don't think he's going to score 70, but Albert, if he can hit that 50-goal plateau once again or even touch 60 again, we have to have a serious talk about you know, he is, like, the. can he be the guy that go after Alex Ovechkin's records? Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say something about McDavid because we had this conversation, no, 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 right, no, 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 of no, no. What, what Matthews needs to do to yeah. overtake McDavid, which is probably a lot. A lot. But to be a lot more physical. Yeah. But I think he has to go down as right now the greatest goal scorer in the game right now. Oh, absolutely. In, in hockey today, right, now, right yeah. now. No one touches him. Well, I mean, Ovechkin's still playing, right? right? And he's obviously... You know, chasing Gretzky's record, that's a different story. But in his prime right now, the way he plays, Albert, there's no goal score yeah, better. Sorry, I said the greatest. I meant like the best. Yeah, the best current score. pure goal score right now in, in hockey. It is Austin Matthews yeah. by far. And also, look, we have to give him credit. Now, he's picked up his play in the defensive. He's a 200-foot player now, right? He can, you know, go back and win face-offs. He's one of the least best face-off, face-off men, mm-hmm. right? He could score. You can play a 200-foot game. Again, we talk about the physicality and stuff like that, but when you're projected to score 70 goals a year, I can take it easy on the physicality side of it. But um, every single night, he continues to impress me on how he does this, how he scores. You can go to – he obviously has the shot. He can go you know, in front of the net. He, the way he finds holes, and he can just shoot from anywhere and score. He's also got hands. Um, I, like I said, Albert, it's – I'm actually like – it's hard for me to put these – the statement out there, but yeah, if Austin Matthews was on any other team other than the Toronto Maple Leafs, he might be one of my favorite players in the NHL. And the dude's coming off a of flu. I want to know what these Leafs players are getting 
to come off a flu and be able to play like that. Because if it's just you and me, we have a flu, we're we're done for like a week. We come back, we're still down, yeah. you know, we're still hurting from the flu. These guys, they have the flu the next day, they're scoring two goals. So My I need secret to know, stuff. I need to know what the secret stuff is. But I got some numbers too. You yeah. said 50. He's halfway to 50 already. Yeah. He's going to hit that. He's got nine goals in his last five, four two-goal games in that time, 11 goals in his last seven, and he's got the most goals through 28 games in his career. Uh, his first Rocket season through 28 games, he had 21. His second Rocket season, he had 20. That's from Big Head Hockey on Twitter who provides uh, such, such great amazing account. stats. Great yeah, account. Great account. If that. you watch the NHL, if you pay attention to hockey, you got to follow that account. Uh, but, yeah, listen, he's a, he's a pure goal scorer. And Keith even said it after the game. He's like, we only had one guy who was able to beat a world-class goaltender tonight, and that's Austin Matthews. That's mm-hmm. second goal. Near side, bar down. I mean, not many guys in the league can do that. It's a goal he, scores goal. The thing with Matthews, he attracts so much attention from the goalie and the other players that it also open, opens up spots for other players. Again, you know, he was the only one that scored, but he's able to play make as well. And I think we need to say, no matter who's on his line, he's still doing the same thing. If it's Nylander, if it's Martner, if it's Noah Gregor, if it's Matthew Nyes, Callie Yarncroke, he's still producing at that level. And I think that's what separates the best players from the rest is it doesn't matter who's with you you can still do your own thing and shine and i think albert the other thing we have to talk about is like you mentioned he gets so much attention on him every single night not only is he the best goal scorer in hockey but he's also the highest paid player in hockey right just got that brand new contract so you know there's even added expectations on him coming into this season after a season where again they fell short in the playoffs he didn't perform on the second round he had you know a rough regular season um, he's played very, very well. And again, we've talked about it before a bunch of how we've seen these ups and down swings from Austin Matthews. But you look at it, we're on December 19th, 25 goals, projected to have 70 goals on this season. Um, what he is doing, and he's missed games with the flu and stuff like that as well, is admirable. And again, we know Sheldon Keefe loves to put his lines through a blender at all times, in between games, in between, you know, periods even. And the fact that this guy can still come out there and consistently put the puck in the back of the net, it's kind of like prime Ovechkin or, you know, I'm not going to say prime Tiger, but or like prime Jordan or prime LeBron. The opposing team knows what you're going to do, but they still can't stop you. Mm. And Austin Matthews is not at that level with those guys, but he's playing so well this season where guys know what he's going to do, right? Or they, they can put as many guys on him, right? But they still can't stop him. That is the sign of a truly great player. And that's what Austin Matthews is. Just, you just got to say it, man. It's fine. It's okay to say it, man. A, Your Canucks are doing well, so you can dish out some praise. He's, it's not he's a great goal scorer. But, he is a great but, goal scorer. But, Come on, brother. But. Brock Besser's two goals behind him. Oh, here we go. You're comparing Brock Besser to Austin Matthews now. I just said Austin Matthews is the best okay. goal scorer in you hockey. You just had to right? throw it in at the end. Yeah. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> um, our boy, Martin Jones. I thought he looked good again. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of bounces didn't go their way. Deflected goals. You'll look at the stat line and see five goals against, but really, it was just the one. It was the one goal. One of them was an empty netter. The other three bounced off other players, and it was the Brandon Schneider goal that mm-hmm. went under his pad. Yeah, look, I liked what he did post game. He took the accountability of that goal, saying that it was on him. And look, Sheldon Keefe came on and said that he had no problem with how they played. Talked about the the crazy bounces, which they were kind of some bounces you've, I've never seen before, right? Like even the Rangers players, they panned to their reactions. They were confused as to how the fuck. Yeah, Keandre Miller. Yeah, Keandre like, Miller. Like, yeah, exactly. He gave it one of those, but um, 
Martin Jones, I feel, because he's been in the league for a while, he has experience being a number one. Right. He's been through extended playoff runs. He knows how to talk to the media, and he took full accountability for that goal. Now, that goal that got scored on him, the Schneider goal, that was more on John Tavares, I think. John Tavares, if he gave cut the angle off more, it would have been able to give Jones an easier chance to you know close his five hole and be more compact. And that's one thing I noticed last night about Martin Jones in the net. When he's confident and his game is on, he's compact. He mm-hmm. moves. He moves with precision. He's very calm in the net. We see a lot of the times with Wall and Samsonov just how. Kind of sometimes they get in that fish in a barrel thing where they're kind of flopping around everywhere. Samsonoff. And Samsonov especially, <laughs> right? But when I look at Jones and on his he's comes out, challenges the shooter up at the top of his crease, aggressive, but he's a controlled aggression in the net. And I think with a goalie, that is so important to have. When you are up there challenging the shooter and your movement is compact, you're staying within your zone and in your crease, that reduces the chances for bad rebounds, right? And also holes where you can, you know allow a leaky goal and we haven't seen that leaky goal now for the other goals i think some the some, the, the panarin one i think that went off Lagason's leg right i think if Lagason yeah, had, skate yeah like if he had moved in a little bit Lagason and cleared out the front of the net that could have gone wild but then again i'm just picking hairs at yeah. that that's not on martin jones but the fact that after the po- after post game where he could have just said bad lucks and all of that but no, no he took ownership of it that is a sign of a true leader. That's a sign of a true vet. That's the sign of a guy who has confidence in his game and his ability where he can put a little bit more on himself and take a bit of the blame because he knows that he's going to get the chance to redeem himself. And I think, Albert, it's clear as cut as day now that we do not expect to see Ilya Samsonov, I don't think, for the rest of this year. Not see him for the rest of this year. I don't I, I, so. No, I don't agree with that because Joseph Wall's not back yet. He's probably going to come back in the new year. No, I'm saying I'm talking 2023. Ah, uh, oh, I, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I think they run the course with Martin Jones until the new year. And again, yeah, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you. I think this is Martin Jones's net. I know in the last mm-hmm. podcast I said uh, maybe they <laughs> yeah, should consider starting Samson off, but that was because you got to get his confidence going. But then you see what Jones brings in this calming presence. And it goes on the players as well. They feel that, and they want to play in front of a guy like that. This is his net, and they're not that far off the Bruins for the Atlantic Division title. They got games to win. I think you got to put your best goalie in there. They play the Buffalo Sabres on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. It's got to be Jones's net, you think? I think so. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They play Buffalo Thursday. Then they play at Columbus right on Saturday. Then they have the Christmas break until Wednesday against Ottawa. Then they play Friday at Columbus, and then they play – the uh well, the following Friday, right. excuse me, against uh Carolina, right? So they only have one back to back, and I think we might see Samsonov maybe that game on the 29th against Columbus. But I wouldn't be surprised if they just ride Martin Jones until you know the New Year and until Wall comes back because uh, well then they have a back to back right after New Year. So again, I think maybe they just ride Jones until you know they play got to play Listen, LA and then Anaheim. You got to hope that Samsonov figures it out. But right. like I, I've said before, you don't have that time. You don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. Perfect example. Okay, the other night, Minnes was it Minnesota. Minnesota was in Pittsburgh. Yes, which would have been Andre Fleur. Mark Andre Fleur is potentially last his last game ever. We don't know if he's going to retire yet. He kind of said he doesn't know if it's his last year. But the big blow up on social media was I can't believe the Wild aren't starting 
Marc-Andre Fleury in this spot. Mm -hmm. And my take against that was Minnesota's trying to win games. They just fired their coach. This is the NHL. You have to win games. You're constantly chasing. You're constantly in the mix. And it applies to the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. If you have one goalie, I don't care if he's your third stringer making less than a million Mm -hmm. and he hasn't been a number one goalie in a long time. If he's playing the best out of the two available, that's the guy you have to start. And let's not forget, he's playing behind a team that's missing some defense here. And that needs to make a trade to find a better defenseman. So if he's able to do this with this team, imagine a fully healthy Leafs team. Yeah. And you get Joseph Wall back. Now you got a pretty solid tandem. You got a rookie who's playing really well. You got a vet backup who's playing really well, who's got a cup ring, took the Sharks to the finals before mm-hmm. on his own back. I think you have to go with Jones. I mean, that Sharks team is pretty good. Really good. He was excellent, though. He was excellent. I'm not taking anything away from Thornton, Couture, and all those players. But I'm just saying, he has that type of experience, which is going to lend itself so well to Joseph Wall, who's already playing well. So I think the odd man out at the moment is Ilya Samsonov. I do want to push back quick in the Marc-Andre Fleury thing, just because I think it's a different situation, right? It is. Marc-Andre Fleury is a legend in Pittsburgh. You know, one Stanley Cup's there. It's a different thing. But I do agree with you that when you're trying to win games, you You have to play the best goalie. And I think right now, far and away, Martin Jones plays a whole lot. It's been a whole lot better. And the team plays a lot better, right? The team plays way better in front of Martin Jones than do Elias Samsonov. They have, no, they have no confidence in Samsonov. Exactly. Samsonov let in that one goal. I think it went off his mask and somehow threw his body. <laughs> and you should have seen John Tavares' face. He's like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. So if he feels that way, imagine the rest of the team. You need confidence, and they got confidence in Martin Jones. Long may it continue. This can change really quickly. Maybe they go to Buffalo, he gets lit up, and then it's we're having a whole different conversation. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with some more statements. We'll talk about Tyler Bertuzzi, a guy you have your eye on, and that line Mm -hmm. of him and Mitch Marner looking pretty good these days. All right, let's continue with some statements coming out of the New York Rangers uh, game where they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-2. You wanted to highlight Tyler Bertuzzi Mm -hmm. in that second line. Yeah, I thought the line of Tavares, Marner, and Bertuzzi was really impressive. Although they didn't get on the score sheet, um, I felt they had a whole lot of scoring opportunities. They played with some speed. They had a lot of offensive zone time possessions. And I felt there was a reason why Sheldon Keefe started them off um, every period because they had... It's a little bit of bite, a little bit of energy to their game. Again, I feel like John Tavares is the type of guy where he needs to play with, you know, a guy like Mitch Marner and a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi where uh, they're they're not the fastest guys, but they can move up and down, up and down the ice a little bit, right? Marner plays better that East-West game. Bertuzzi plays that North-South game. And Tavares, to his credit, can kind of be like a chameleon and kind of fit either mold of that player, which a true center should do. So I felt like... I think that's something that maybe Sheldon Keefe might want to take a look at and keep, you know, letting ride. Especially because, like we talked about, Austin Matthews is doing so well carrying a line himself with whoever. Now, he does have William Nylander riding shotgun with him. So, I don't know if he's carrying it. But I think that that's something there, Albert, where I feel that that's a line. Again, they also can be defensively responsible as well. I think that that's something Sheldon Keefe might want to take a look at and give an extended run to because I was very impressed at what I saw. Now, again, going back to that goal, the Schneider goal, I felt Tavares could have done a better job of back-checking there, and they did give the puck away on that goal. But other than that, I felt that Lionel had a whole lot of opportunities, they had a whole lot of chances, they created a whole lot of chances. Uh, that's something I want to see moving forward um, and see what's there, right? Because we know Keith's going to change it up, but maybe for the next couple games, just see if there's anything there. At least then you know in your back pocket you can put those three together and they have some chemistry going forward if you need an instant spark uh, throughout any point of the season yeah, and Keith, playoffs. Yeah, Keith found a really good top six yeah. at the moment right now. and. 
the reason Mitch Martin is even on that line is because he was struggling on the top line. Yeah. And Nylander wasn't, so he made the switch, and, and it's worked out. I don't know what it is, and I said it before, Mitch Martin catches a puck off the chin, and his game <laughs> changes all of a sudden. But you're right. There's just a good mix on that line. I love the way that they play. Mm-hmm. We've been super critical of Bertuzzi, but now we're seeing what this guy is all about. He plays hard the entire game. Mm-hmm. I think five on five, they're one of the best teams on the ice last night. You have Tavares winning faceoffs, I think, at an incredible rate. Marner can score. He can play make. Bertuzzi, we know, can play make. That top six is really good. And I think I think they got lucky in a sense on the top line with Matthew Nyes. Right? Yeah. He looked good at the end of last season. He looked good in the playoffs. I wasn't expecting him to hit the ground running this way in the top line, but he does not he he, he does not look like he doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. on that top line. So I know I'm not talking about the Bertuzzi line, but overall, that top six, I think it's probably one of the best in the league. Well, talent-wise, of course, we know that. But um, the Nyes and Matthews combo kind of works well, especially with Nylander. It because does, man. They're all big-bodied guys. You know, again, they're not the t- toughest guys, but they you know they have enough you know physical stature where they can, you know, bump and grind with guys. They can get into the tough areas, right? And the other line, right, they're a bit smaller in stature, right? But... I, I love what I'm seeing from Bertuzzi. I love what I saw from him last night where I finally saw like that north-south game, him getting in on the forecheck, getting loose pucks, creating loose pucks. Um, also, we saw him you know, with that speed setting up. Now, the one thing I will say about John Tavares, and he's done this his whole career, is when he comes into the zone and he just has that little button hook and stop, I'm not a big fan of that. I know a lot of guys in hockey love that because it slows it down and then you can open up and analyze um, what's like the button hook into the, the slot? button hook into the slot? Yeah, uh, I'm a more guy again. Go north south. He doesn't have the foot speed for that anymore. Um, but what I saw from that line, I was very impressed. They got some offensive zone cycles as well. Um, I think Sheldon Keith should let this roll again. We'll see if he does. Right. But that's a line that I really, Albert, want to see. Um, get some runway because I think there can be something there. It can help Mitch Marner pick his game up, can help Tavares. It can also help Bertuzzi, you know, get more on the score sheet, which we know will help his confidence as well because, you know, he's had a better of late, right? The month of December, he's been much better, but the first couple months of the season were not as good. Let's see going into the new year if this line continue as I think this is a line that can create matchup problems and can if they're given the opportunity, can't help shut down opposing teams' best lines as well. Yeah, and he's got another line that worked as well when he put Domi with Marner and Matthew Nice. Yeah. That one worked as well. well Domi so. looked horrible last night. Yeah, he didn't look great. And I'm sure we'll touch on Domi, Domi later on <laughs> the show when we're grading uh, some of Bradtree Living signings. Uh, you wanted to also touch on on Sheldon Keefe. Mm-hmm. He made some post-game comments, and you think he was dogging the refs a little bit. Ellie, can you roll the clip? I don't know, I mean, when you... When three goals are going off of us and in the net, uh, bouncing around, and you don't get any power plays in the game, you're probably not winning the game. So, you know, these things happen over the course of 82, but I had no issues with that game. Go ahead. (laughs) I got to give Sheldon Keefe credit. You know, he comes across sometimes as like a happy-go-lucky guy, a guy who doesn't really... Sometimes when when Sheldon Keefe first got hired, I'm like, oh, this is another Shanahan puppet that he can control. And this is just another <laughs> cog in the MLS wheel that they could control. And he's just a, he's a yes man. I just want to say you can, you can make that argument. You can, you can, right? But occasionally when he does things like this, I'm like, you know what? There's something. Or when he ripped into Tyler Bertuzzi, I'm like, you know what? Like Sheldon Keefe does care, right? He has a spine to him. Um, again, I don't know if it's the smartest thing to do to call out the refs in the NHL because you know they're like a fraternity. It's like a a blood bond they have together where they're going to back each other up. Um, I still remember back in the day, uh, Canucks fans will know this, um, when 
Alex Burroughs cussed out a ref, and then Ron McClain went on CBC, a former ref, and just ripped Burroughs a new one, and it continued on. You build that reputation. But um, I, I, I don't know if you just say that, but the biggest thing for me is I like that what I see from Sheldon Keefe. I like him calling out the officials. I like him kind of being sarcastic like that. I feel the NHL needs more of that again. Who cares about the fine? MLSC's got enough bankroll in the, in the in the mint anyway to cover any fine you want to put out there. But to stand up for your players and just send a message and kind of be like, kind of be a prick a little bit, I like that. You need a little bit of prick in you to win in the NHL. And Sheldon Keefe has a little bit of a prick in him. And I kind of like that. My takeaway is not that he was dogging the refs at all. I think this is a poony reach. I think oh. you're really reaching here. Because the next question that came in was about the power play opportunities on whether the team did enough to earn it. He said, I thought we could have maybe attacked inside a little more. thought we had more offensive zone time than we did. I thought we attacked off the rush, especially in the second period. I thought we did more than enough. But unfortunately, they defended well and had disciplined sticks. There was nothing there for us. Now, but let me ask you this. I don't did, think he's did calling he, did out he the refs. Did he subconsciously backtrack? Thing? Oh. No, I don't think so. I, I watched, really, I watched the entire like... game. There's nothing that really went Toronto's way. Maybe, maybe the elbow on Mitch Marner, mm. which was accidental. The, the Rangers player didn't even see him, and he caught him with an elbow. Yeah. I don't think he's calling out the refs. Keith, I don't think, is afraid to do so. But with that said, I, I, I just, I don't know. I think this is a nothing a nothing quote from this, this was the first time I think since 1969 the Rangers have not uh, gotten a penalty really? against the Toronto Maple what a stat yeah. that is follow Pooney stats on <laughs> X um, yeah I don't know listen Keith is not a guy who, who tends to call people out he can't do it from time to time I don't think this is one of those but do, do you disagree with him the fact that you need to be a bit of a prick in the Especially your coach has to be a bit of a prick or a bit of a surly guy if you want to get the best out of your players. And also, yeah, you know, I think I feel like you need that type of mentality. Yeah, right? like why do you is. think Jay Woodcroft didn't work at Edmonton? The only issue with Keith is he tends to backtrack his comments about his players. When he does call his players, mm. he'll follow that up the next day by trying to erase what players what he said. aside. But like going out of the media and kind of again not being rude to the media, but basically just putting out that energy that you know we're not. I'm not a pushover. You can't just push me over, right? Yeah. I think you need that from your coach too. Like, I think you need that, um, especially if you want to be successful in a Canadian market as well. Well, if the Leafs want to be successful, my other takeaway here, my other statement is mm. they really need scoring from the blue line. I was looking at last season's numbers, and I didn't really realize this, but they were the their, their blue line was the bottom eight in points, mm -hmm. second worst for goals with 22. Only the Canucks, I had to throw this in, were worse. But if you look at the best teams in the league, Abs, Bruins, Oilers, Vegas at the top of the list in terms of scoring from the blue line. This season, bottom seven in points and just seven goals. That I mean, you can have all the talent up front in the world, but you need some production from your back end outside of Morgan Riley. I know Connor Timmins has been half decent since he came back offensively. Defensively, it's another conversation with Connor Timmins. The turnovers in the neutral zone is unbelievable. And the turnovers in the defensive zone oh. from Connor Timmins, it's ridiculous. Um, but they, they have to address that. I know they need a shutdown guy. They need like a Tanev. But maybe, just maybe, Tree Living should be looking for an offensive defenseman. I'm not sure who's available. One guy that I that kind of popped up and I just thought of was Chikrin in Ottawa. Just because of what's going on with the Sens, I don't know what direction that they're going. Who knows if this Jacques Martin thing's going to work. But that type of player, right, where he – he has some defensive upside but can score goals because you can't be going into the playoffs with, you know, bottom five production from your blue line and expect to win. Look at last night, and this is just – this is a funny Leafs moment here. Eric Gustafson, 
who was on at least last season, finished tonight with three assists. So that tells you everything you need to know. It was the first star. Um, I love Jacob Chikrin on my team, too. He's cost right. $4.6 million. He's going to be a UFA and right. get a whole big contract. Listen, I, there's no rumors, yeah. no reports of that. That's just something I thought It's of. Albert's speculation. Yeah, that, that's Bartanian's dr- report His here. dreams that Jacob Chikrin not a dream. and Chris Tanev and Bobby Orr and... Hey, that, that's and a hell of a pairing, Dennis, Dennis Potvin will all be on the nice. Toronto Maple Ray Leafs. Bork. <laughs> Ray Bork. Um, well, look at the look at the Leafs defense core they've had the last couple of years. Right, there's a reason why they don't want to get scored from the defense, but because right. the defense when they have other than Morgan Riley are incapable it's of just Riley. putting points up. Yeah. Right, it's just Morgan Riley. Um, and again, you talked about the Canucks uh, having the lowest scoring defense last year. No longer the case. Let's look at this year. Let's look at this year. My point was that the Leafs made the playoffs. Yeah. The Canucks didn't. So they're on par with teams that don't make the playoffs yeah. in terms of production Look, from the blue line. That's it. not good. That's not good. It's not, not good. Um, but again, look at the Leafs defense. Code. They just t- current iteration and when fully healthy. Yeah. They just don't have guys that can no, right pick now, up no, points, especially. right? Yeah. You you need to score from your defense. But do you Absolutely. agree they should also look at an offensive defenseman to Absolutely. bring in? Absolutely. But I think right now at this current juncture, they just need good capable NHL defenseman, all-encompassing NHL defenseman. Um, I think something in the offseason you could do is look at that, try to get another offensive-minded defenseman. But I think, Albert, when you look at the current state of the NHL, um, I would rather have a guy like... You need an offensive stud on the back end, like a Quinn Hughes, uh, you know, Kale McCarr. What do you think of Chris Lechtang? No, he's too old. It's too old, too expensive, right? I wouldn't touch that with a ten foot pole. I just have a feeling. I wouldn't there, touch that with a twenty. I have a feeling there could be a fire sale in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they're going to have to retain a lot of salary on that side. Yeah, we talked about Maybe we talked available. about on uh, Monday's pod where we thought that oh look things could be rumbling out of oh, Pittsburgh, yeah. but um, I, I I'm a big believer now in the modern day NHL defenseman has to be able to do everything. No more of the guys where you can just throw him out there, and he just bounced the puck off the glass and throws a couple body checks, and that's it. You, you need those guys, too. You can't, you, ha- you can't have six guys like you can't, that, though. You can't, have, you can't have maybe one guy like that. You can have one guy who's your off, just a purely offensive, just like a a Mort Sider. No, he's, he's got him pretty good defensively. Or Adam Fox. Guys Carlson. Who are, uh, Carlson, the strictly offensive defenseman. Another guy who's just a strict bruiser. But you need another four or five guys that can do everything, that can penalty kill, that can eat up big minutes, that can skip... The biggest thing, Albert, right now in the NHL for defensemen is you have to be able to skate. You have to be able to move. The game is too fast. It is The players are too big, too strong, too fast now where you have to be able to keep up on your feet. You can't have guys like, respectfully, Eric Goodbranson who can't really skate, right? You cannot have guys like that. And right now, the way I like this defense core the Leafs have done, this Band-Aid one, for one reason. It's because the guys can move and skate. Right, they're not the best with the puck, but they can move and skate. And that's something I can deal with. But Bradtree Living, you need guys that can move the puck, that can control the play from the point, that can you know quarterback. Right, even at five on five, right, they're not going to just dump the puck in the corner and have the forwards do all the work. You want guys that are able to walk the blue line. You know, again, I don't want to bloviate about and love give a love fest towards Quinn Hughes, but he's the best <laughs> in the league at that. No, when he you, is. I when you watch line, Quinn yeah. Hughes and you how he walks that line, I it agree. opens up shooting lanes on it for mm-hmm. himself, but for his deep part and other players, that is what the Leafs need. Morgan Riley can do it, but he's not as fleet of foot. And to get a defenseman like that, Albert, it's going to cost you a whole lot of money, a whole lot of assets, or you have to go through the draft and find one. Um, that is something that I think the Leafs is their biggest worry going forward. Not talking about this year, but I'm talking about three, four years down the road. 
Who's going to be that guy in the defense core, right? Yeah. That's that's the question. And that's starting to come very soon is who's going to be the guy to take over Morgan Riley as that guy on the defense core? I don't know. Is that going to be through the draft? Is that going to be where? But I do agree with you. You need to get more scoring on your defenseman. It's just the fact is they're hard to come by. You can also get a free agent, Pam, $4 million plus, named John Klingberg, who was supposed uh, to be that guy, and it didn't happen. All right, let's grade some of these signings that Bradtree Living has made. And we've been talking about it all season. But now, listen, we're approaching the end of the year. Mm -hmm. We should mention we are filming this December 20th. So if anything changes for whatever reason, we apologize. But we're filming this on Wednesday, December 20th. Just a good time to, I think, evaluate where these signings are, more or less halfway through the season. Let's start, Justin Pooney, with Tyler Bertuzzi. Pass or fail? It's a fail. Okay. Uh, I can hear you there. At this particular junction. A fail. It's a fail. I, he's had a good couple weeks in December, but I have to see a larger sample size. Maybe, just maybe, if Sheldon Keefe listens to this podcast, which I think he probably does, he keeps <laughs> Tavares and Marner together. Sorry, Tavares, Marner, and Bertuzzi together in the new year, and we see him pick up. It's a fail right now, but it's not a huge fail. Right, it's it's creeping back up to a pass stage right now. He's just got to play a little bit more consistent. I want to see a little bit more of that north south that that game with bite. I want to see a little bit more on the score sheet. He's making five and five and five and a half million. Right, you got to produce a little bit more if you're making five and a half million bucks. Um, even though it's a one year deal, you got to produce a little bit more. So fail right now for me. Yeah, this was to me always a play for what he brings in the playoffs, and we won't know his true value until the playoffs. This is a borderline call. I just went past because of his recent play on that second line. He just seems to be turning a corner. Mm -hmm. He started off the season. He had a bit of an injury, he was saying. He wasn't playing the way he was. Sheldon Keefe was still trying to figure out his lines. Keefe will always jump, jumble those lines. But I think he's found something. We talked about it earlier on in this show right. with that second line, like you just mentioned. So I'm going to give him a pass right now. He need, I, I get what you're saying. You need more production. But I think on that line, he brings a lot more than what you see on the box score. That's what I'm saying. Okay, the okay. next guy we're definitely 100% going to agree on. If we don't, I'm not sure what is wrong with you. Johnny Klingberg. That's a fail. Oh, man, it's a failure. I don't know. Not to kick a guy what while else he's down. Right? Hold on. Not to kick a guy while he's down. Brock but but for Bradtree Living, what, what were you thinking? That's more of a diamond on kicking Bradtree Living. That's not on John Klingberg. Right, right. right. The Leafs should have known he of his injury, past just injury feel like, history I and stuff like that. I just feel like everyone's picking on the guy. And it's not his That's fault happens, that Bradtree Living paid him it's $4 million. Sports. You're going to get picked on, right. right? You're going to get picked on when you don't play. Look, he's done more benefit to the Leafs by being on LTR and giving them some sort of cap relief than he ever did on the ice. So yeah. at least he's bringing something positive to the situation. I will say this. After going over um, the Leafs' production from the blue line over the past wow. couple seasons, last season they're one of the worst teams. This season they're one of the worst teams. I can understand why Bradtree Living wanted to bring in an offensive defenseman. Just paying at $4 million knowing, I think, hopefully, that they knew that he was dealing with a hip injury his entire yeah. career. So, big failure for John Klingberg. Regardless, Trey Living dodged a bullet. He's off the books, at least for now, and it looks like he'll never play for the Toronto Maple Leafs ever again. The next one, Ryan Reeves. Isn't this the same as Klingberg? It's the same as Klingberg, isn't it? It's a, it's fail. a fail. I know. It's this a might failure. be even a bigger fail because the term he gave oh, him. 1.35 by three years for a guy that old uh, who doesn't play, who has even gotten a fight this year. Yeah, he's gotten a scrap. He fought uh, Arbor Jacka. The first game, right? And he, he got lit someone up. else, too. I can't remember. But, but think about that. If we're talking about Ryan Reeves, we kind of have to like think, how many fights has this guy got into? Have we really noticed him at all? 
He hasn't done his job. He said he, he was supposed to bring every bring his energy, you know, clear up space for Marner, Matthews, be that kind of enforcer, that protector. He hasn't now. He's he's hurt now, right? He's on uh, IR. But when he was playing, again, nothing. Just nothing. Never noticed him. He's too slow to put out there. He, he did the his most memorable moment was the priest priest was it? The, uh, that was the opening night. Opening night when he came on and flexed. And all that. that was the most memorable moment. I know. That was it. I know. And he's had opportunity to show his value this season so far. And he hasn't yet. Fail. I love Revo. He can play on my team any night. He's got a great career in the in the media coming up. When he does decide to hang him up. But not good. True Living brought him in to bring in some toughness. Yeah. And I honestly think maybe he added a little bit of that. There's a bit of an edge to this Leafs team. I don't know if that's completely Ryan Reeves. I don't know that for a fact, but there is more of an edge. There's more of uh, after that Bruins game, these players are standing up for themselves. Mm -hmm. Nye's backed up Domi the other night, and they're one of the top teams, I think, second in hits in the NHL. Make of that what you will, but still, that's not something you associate with this Leafs team. Is that Ryan Reeves? I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe he has that big of a voice in the dressing room, and maybe you look back on it like, yeah, okay, they overpaid for a fourth-line guy, but if he added that edge to this team then maybe it ends up being a pass in the end. But as of right now, it's definitely a failure. Okay, let's continue. Your boy, Domi. Fail. Fail. Domi's been horrible. I know, this is a borderline call. That's not even borderline. He's got no, it's, yeah, it is. two goals this season. Talked about how he doesn't shoot the puck ever, right? He loves the saucer pass. He loves the right? sauce. Thinks he's a prime, like Wayne Gretzky out there, throwing the saucer passes up and down. He's a great passer. Give him his passer. He's a good passer, not a great passer. He's right. not. He's no Leon Draisaitl. okay? Let's face it. This has been another failure, right? He just hasn't worked out. Now, he has had flashes. I'll say flashes where this could potentially be a pass but unlike Tyler Bertuzzi it hasn't been again Bertuzzi the last couple weeks has been pretty good yeah Domi it's like oh great game from Domi on was a Saturday night and then what happens nothing like again up down up down yeah, he's, there's he's, no he flat has flashes of brilliance flashes. as they say in the footy world yeah, flashes. flashes of brilliance but again it, it's not enough to even come close to sniffing a pass a game of pass, though. Oh, my a God. Game, I know. I mean, the production's not great, right? Two goals, 15 assists. He is a third-line guy. I just go back to the same thing with Bertuzzi. I think this is more of a playoff play. He played top-line minutes for the Dallas Stars. Hold on. In the playoffs when Pavelski was out. He was good in that series against Vegas. Whenever he gets to the playoffs, he can play playoff hockey. You're talking with the playoffs. We're talking about grading them right now, though. you're right. You're right. You're right. I know, so getting what? ahead of myself. So you just pa- so if you're a teacher, you're just passing kids, and then at the final I'm exam, I'm, I and at the final exam, you drop the you drop the final exam, teachers. and so bam, you're you're that's it, you're done, you fail. I'm one of those teachers, man. I Come like on, all man. the kids, right? Come on, I want them to go home with a passing grade. You gotta give them some. I'm gonna luck. flip on that. I'm gonna go fail. You're right. You're right. Like, see? Art of persuasion. You need more more production from Max Domi. Okay, let's quickly Martin Jones. Pass. Right. I mean, what a deal this is. This looks like a brilliant deal. All these teams in the NHL right now are looking for second and third string goalies. They would love to have a guy like Martin Jones. I will say this, though. If he does stink it up and (laughs) wet the bed, then it's a fail. But right at this particular moment, on December 20th at 11.02 a.m. in Toronto, Ontario, (laughs) it is a resounding pass. Uh, Noah Gregor, I'm going to give him a pass. Don't forget, this guy was on a PTO. They signed Mm -hmm. him. 29 games. He's got five goals, two assists. I think his biggest contribution has been on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. You lose Kerfoot. You lose Ryan O'Reilly. You lose, uh, lose uh, 
Noel Charlie. Noah Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Noah Charlie. Uh, you need a guy to pick up on the PK, yeah. and he has been. I think he's been a solid signing. Look, again, a pass to a guy who's a fourth-line guy but plays 11 minutes a game, right? That's, you know, valuable minutes he's right there. He's got wheels. And he's got some wheels to him, right? That's what you need on the fourth line. Um, he's been a pass. Now, the one thing I will say, I want to nitpick, and, again, people don't want to like this stat, but if you're a minus four... Yeah, I mean, he's also a fourth-line guy. He's also, but right? again, that's as a fourth-line guy, you should try to be as close to even as possible. True. Um, but I will say this, no Gregor, but he does eat up, like you did mention, he eats up a lot of penalty kill minutes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's got some wheels, you know, eats up some valuable minutes. Uh, he's got a little bite to his game. Yeah, it's a pass. Okay, and finally, uh, I package these guys up, but William Lagason, Benoit, and LeJoie. <sighs> if you say fail, you're out of your mind. It's a it's a pass, right? Of course, it's, it's, a, it's a pass. It's a pass for sure, based on the expectations. Now, there are certain nights where these guys do things. It's like, ah, like what are you doing? But in totality, with all three of them, right? right not individually, the way they come in and fills in admirably. Yes, it's a pass. With all due respect, these guys are AHL players. Yes, I mean, are. minus Lagos is the only one who really had NHL experience before this season started. But even then, and he looks pretty good. Yeah. He looks pretty good. So, listen, Tree Living, I think for the most part, has done a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. We still need to see more. I think you're right from Bertuzzi, from Domi. Not going to see anything from Klingberg, Ryan Reeves. Who knows what's going to happen with him? He's injured at the moment. We'll see what happens when he comes back. All right, thanks for listening to Homestand. That's it for us over here. We'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. I'm Albert Vartanian. He's Justin Pooney, and this has been Homestand Sports.